WMNF Tampa. Hi, I'm Kenny Coogan. Join Annie. Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. I say it's all right. Hello, and welcome to the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5, where every Monday at 11, we bring you a conversation with local experts on sustainable issues. Your hosts today are myself, Annie Ellis, and the lovely (laughs) Kenny Coogan. Yay. See, I get to introduce him today. That's fun. And Irene is in there taking your calls, uh, the lovely Irene as well. And Mr. Bill Grace is working the boards. We couldn't do it without him. We're so happy they're all here. Um, Today, we are going to be talking all about soil, dirt, potting mixes, anything that's regarding that. We would love to have you call in uh, and or text us or email us. And I want to go ahead and start out with just giving you those numbers. Uh, you could give us a call at 813-239-9663. Send us an email at dj at wmnf.org, and we will read it on the air. And our text number is 813-433-0885, and we get that as an email uh, on our screen. So the past couple of weeks, we've had just so much fun with so much participation. We want to carry on that tradition. So today, the show is all about you and your gardening and soil needs and questions and concerns. We were really surprised at how much response we got. It was just lit up. So we thought that it would be a really good idea to go ahead and try to do this inclusive show with everybody uh, about what you're interested in. You know, what you're interested in is what we're interested in. So anything that goes along, by golly, (laughs) that we would love to hear from you. And we also have Judy. She's on the line. She's uh, going to be talking to us about electric vehicles and a program that's coming on. How's it going, Judy? Fine. How are you? Great, great. Can you introduce yourself and what you're going to be talking about? Okay. My name is Judy Haberach. I'm with the National Drive Electric Week, which is a national organization that's having electric vehicle shows all over the country. That's cool. So it's all over the country that they do this at the same day? Uh, within the same week, say starting this Saturday to next Saturday. Okay, so and where, where is this okay. going to be? Okay, can I just give you all my information? I want to hear it, Judy. Okay, all right. It is a free electric vehicle show at Munn Park in Lakeland, Florida. It will be this Saturday, September 23rd, from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Now, anybody that's curious about electric vehicles, how to charge them, how to drive them, anything, please come see our various models and speak to the local owners of those vehicles, Um, including some of the vehicles that we're going to have are Tesla 3s. We'll have an electric Ford Mustang Mach-E, electric Kia EV6, and Nissan Leaf, a Rivian pickup truck. Oh, goody. That's what I'm interested in. Oh, okay. (laughs) Tesla Y. Chevy Bolt, possibly, and possibly a Ford 150 Lightning pickup. Fantastic. And tell us that location again, please, and the time. Okay. It's Munn Park in Lakeland. It's from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. If you want an actual address, 
It's 195 North Tennessee Avenue. And you could park at a tourist bank parking lot there, which has free parking on Saturdays for the public. Do they have charging? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> they should, shouldn't they? <laughs> I suppose. Well, thanks again for calling in, Judy. We really appreciate you letting us know about this. This is a real important topic. Okay. Um, I'm, I would love to have everybody there. And it's a great way to spend a Saturday morning because you can go to the electric vehicle show. And right next to it is the Lakeland Farmer's Market. Oh, very good. So they could go do the electric and then go pick up some food. Right. And awesome. And all, all the restaurants at the park, too. And pardon me? There's lots of restaurants. restaurants oh, a restaurants lot of restaurants in the park. park. Oh, uh-huh. very good. Very good. Okay. okay. Well, it sounds like a great day. I hope a lot of people show up for you. Thank you. Thank you Have for calling. You appreciate it. All right, Anna, I got two more events that are coming up. Okay. On October 7th, Burker Creek Preserve and Environmental Education Center in Tarpon Springs is having a wildflower and pollinator festival. Oh, how lovely. It is from 9 to 4, the full day, October 7th in Tarpon Springs. Oh, that and sounds And then wonderful. we just got an email from uh, the city of St. Uh, Petersburg, and they are offering free workshops to help St. Pete residents save water and money with water conservation. Attendees can expect to learn about the whole home water conservation, rain barrels, rain gardens, efficient irrigation, water smart landscaping, and more at upcoming educational workshops now through January. Oh, wow. That's workshops a lot. are free and open to the public. The list of workshops and registration can be found at stpete.org slash water workshops and uh that just sounds like a great it great does. deal i mean you know that's really important it's funny because that's the the water wise that's across the board is the water wise situation so this is in st pete yeah. but every county has something very similar oh yeah they do and they all offer a lot of those types of things so you know you can always look that up and see where your county is and see what they're offering because i know in the hillsborough county we get that all the time i think there's some uh a uh, rain barrel uh, one coming up. And a lot of times, y'all, you get stuff from that. Like, I'm not saying they're going to give it to you, but they might because uh, every one of them does something different. But sometimes you can get a rain barrel when you go to do those uh, programs. You can get uh, irrigation, Mic- micro irrigation, yeah. compost bin. Yeah, all those things. And I got a, a, a heat monitor, uh, a thermometer for my compost bin when I went to one one time, which was great. I loved it. Water gauges. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Water gauges. That's it. And so it's really important to to do that because then you can, uh, you know, learn what to do and what not to do, quite honestly. You know, right place, right place, uh, right plant, right place, right time. And you learn how to, to bunch all your plants together to get the right amount of irrigation for those particular ones that like the same type of watering. So that's an interesting thing. Yeah. So uh, we're talking about gardening and soil this uh, week. We would love to hear from you. You can give us a call at 813-239-9663. You can text us at 813-433-0885 or send us an email at dj at wmnf.org and we will read it on air. Now, in the past uh, six months or so, I am now proudly up to nine 50-gallon rain barrels on wow. my property. See, speaking of, of rain barrels, right? And, uh, so Nine, that's amazing, yeah, Kenny. Three or four 
they're in like groups of three and they're kind of daisy chained together. So uh -huh. just one is under the... Do they get the overflow? Is that how that works? Yeah. Okay. And we just have like a one inch piece of PVC connecting them and they just overflow and it's great. On Saturday, uh, when I came back from that St. Pete uh, Sunken Gardens event, I used 35 gallons of water. And I have to carry them at five gallons buckets. Wait a you you took thirty five gallons of water with you to no the no no. I when I came back from the event. Oh, because you had to water all the plants that you had. Exactly. Oh, see now that's the thing is that you if you can work out some type of a system to where you can get your barrels up really high, you can get some uh, some pressure and you can do a hose. So, you know, there's a lot of different things that you can figure out as you get into it. You know, you learn uh, that sort of stuff. But yeah, the higher you get it, the more pressure you get and you can actually fill a hose up. Because I have drenched, uh, I, what I generally do is I use it to drench beds. I mean, I'll use a bucket or two here and there, but most of the time I'll use it to drench beds and I'll just put a hose onto the a spigot on the rain barrel and throw it over into the, the bent, you know, where the area that I want to do it. And I set a timer is the way I do it. I set a timer and then go back out there in 45 minutes and shut it off. So, you know, it's a great thing, y'all. And that type of water is so much better for plants. I mean, you have to use that for yours, don't you, Kenny? That's exactly right. So I have carnivorous plants, and they like nutrient-poor soils. And I was doing a webinar a couple of weeks ago from um, the biggest uh, carnivorous plant nursery in Germany. And I learned from him that he recycles his soil. And I thought yeah. that you couldn't because of, like, mineral buildup or there's, like, that fungus that can, like, spread and you don't really want that. Right. But he says that he just, after he uses the soil, so let's say he'll ship a plant and he just is shipping the plant. So he has the empty pot. The so he takes all the soil and he puts it in, like, a big kind of compost mound type thing. And then he just leaves it outside, snows, rains. So it gets Light. all the things that's going to kill all that. Exactly. What you're saying. So, yeah, that's the deal about, you know, if you can put it in the elements, then you can, you know, kill all the things that are the bad things. That's good and bad. I mean, like, I'm not a big believer in uh, soil. Um, uh, what do they call that? I forgot the word. When you put the black plastic or the white plastic over it. Yeah, uh, solar so heating. Solarization mm -hmm. is what it is. Yes, so solarization. I'm not a big fan of that. And the reason is, is because it uh, it kills all the microbes that are up there on the top. They do say that the worms do just then go deep. Uh, and so I'm hoping that the microbes do too. But, you know, it would take a while back to get them back up. But it does kill the weeds and it does kill the weed seeds. And it probably drives down the... Uh, not root nematodes, yep. or root not nematodes, that's it. Yeah, I'm flipping it. <laughs> All right, uh, we got a caller. We got Mike from Big Bend. Hello, Mike. Hi, Mike. Good morning, Kenny. Good morning. Annie. Dang it, I forgot Annie. <laughs> I met you at USF, but I forgot your name. Oh, very good. Yeah. Glad you're calling. What's up? Uh, I'm getting into biochar. Oh, yeah, I've heard good things about that. And uh, biochar and compost tea combined. So I was wanting to know if you know any places where I can get some resources about doing biochar. The UFIFIS extension offices are... I would be the first one to call that, too. Yeah, they're a great resource. And they may have that and they may not, you know, but they would probably be a good beginning to go from there. The USDA has a whole website on biochar. Are you... Trying to make it or procure oh, I'm it? it? I'm making it, Kenny. Oh, good deal. I, it, I, I, got, I grow mainly philodendrons, and 
Um, I'm hoping to be able to save some of my nutrients from being flushed away, you know, with the rain. So figure if I can lock them up in some biochar, then it'd be better. Okay, so that's your goal is to, uh, with biochar, is to hold more water. Is that what your, or the nutrients will then contain into the biochar? Is that how that works? Right. Okay. I don't know that much about it. I mean, I know it's good, but I don't know what it, what the function is. Well, it, what it does is like a permanent mulch. Uh-huh. Biochar doesn't degrade. It'll last for thousands of years. So if you inoculate it before putting it in the ground, put, load it up with good nutrients, then they'll be there for your plants. Oh, I see. So you're do you saturate it uh, in a container with the, the uh, yeah, nutrients? I'm, I'm, using, I'm using five-gallon buckets right now. Saturating it with fish emulsion, guano, and putting it in there and let it sit, aerate it from the bottom so that it makes a tea and gets it all in that charcoal. And then you make sure you got pieces smaller than three-eighths diameter and mix it in with your soil. I love it. That sounds like a wonderful way to go. What uh, wood product are you using to make the biochar? Like brush? Are you using bamboo? Or hardwood? I, I, I found the source. Uh, company out in Plant City has scrap ash wood, which oh, is hardwood. Okay, and, and it's all scrap, and it be going into the waste stream. Oh, so. so you're you're saving it from the waste stream, right? Very and good. I bring it home. I've got a tub for a washing machine, and I have I use a propane cylinder in the center of that tub from the washing machine that I cut the top off of. I load that cylinder all the way full of the ash put a lid on it, and then burn around the outside. Oh, wow. Once, once it, and that creates the charcoal on the inside. Wow. That's fascinating. I've never I've heard, heard of that. It. That's wonderful. I've, Did you make that up? Uh, YouTube is a wonderful place. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? Because this is so interesting. Well, that's my current kick right now. Okay. I mean, I think yeah, that would be great for uh, edibles, too, you know, like all your vegetable oh, gardens or anything, your trees. God, that would be fantastic for your trees. I've been, I've been believe it or not, some of the people I've been watching the most videos are, are the pot growers. Oh, <laughs> yeah, they're specialized, that's for sure. <laughs> well, but I saw a video where they were in Thailand talking to the aeroid people, uh-huh. and they think that's what they're using is the same process as oh. the marijuana growers are using. So that's why you picked up on it, because you're an aeroid grower. Right. Yeah, so. that's cool. And then uh, digressing from that pot, but into the other pots, in, <laughs> in the pot, how much, what's your percentage of biochar versus your soil versus perlite? You know, what's your soil recipe? Do you make a mix? I, I use 33% of everything. Okay. Oh, okay. Thirty perlite, thirty-three percent charcoal, and then thirty percent uh, compost. Okay, that sounds great. My plants seem to love it. So. Well, I think it's you've done a j- terrific job, and thank you so much for calling in and sharing it. We really appreciate you. Okay. Well, I'll see you at USF next time. Sounds yes, great. Sounds thank good. you. Thanks, yep. Mike. We have another caller. Uh, we don't, but oh, we gone. we do have a email. I want to talk about a soil mix too. After that. Well, guess what? The email. Is about soil mix? Pretty much. Very good. They say, they love this type of show. Can you suggest the best type of soil for oh. rooting cuttings? And guess what? Yesterday, for literally six hours, 
<laughs> I was repotting, and I took uh, 36 pots of cuttings, and in each pot, there's 2 to 14 cuttings. Okay. And now what do you put? Now, yours is specific to carnivorous plants, right? Yes. So they don't like, they don't like a nutrient-rich thing, but... but any kind of a cut, cutting, you want it to be sort of sterile-ish yep. so you don't get it to rot uh, on, the, on the stem. So what do you use, Kenny? So these are all for the Nepenthes, the tropical pitcher plants. And, I w- and this is also good for the aeroids and the philodendrons, like the house plants. I was doing, I, I wasn't exactly uh, measuring 33% for everything, <laughs> but my combination was... You weigh it, right? <laughs> <laughs> my combination was long fiber sphagnum. Because that's very airy. Yeah. And then I was also adding huge pieces of perlite, which is volcanic rock. And then I also had a third-ish of coconut chips, so like you, coconut bark. So it's, it's very airy mix. So you're saying the, uh, the uh, volcanic mix is bigger chunks and not the smaller chunks? Yeah, I was able to find it on this uh, very famous website. It's named after uh, Rainforest. <laughs> and it's about five, six times bigger than the normal one that I was finding at the feed stores. Right. And it's... They chip it up really small and, and it's that like stuff. so beautiful. And what else is great... Because you get all the shiny bits, right? Well, I was going to say that when you're pouring the tiny perlite, and I hope listeners know what I'm talking about, it's a tiny little white like little puffs of volcanic yeah, I don't, rock. I don't like when you're pouring that, you get all this dust, oh, which is right. a known carcinogen, and you got to be doing it outside or you have to wear Your a mask. mask. But these huge pieces, they, don't. they pre-washed it, and then there's no dust. Oh, how nice. That's fantastic. So for... Uh, I bet it looks better in the pot, too. Yeah. For the yeah or- I don't like those little white bits floating all the way up to the top. So for the ornamental cuttings, which is what I'm which I know about, uh, I would just say something very airy. Yeah. What, what, what would you put a cutting in? Well, I have a seed starting tray, I mean, that I just stuck stick anything in, and I just have created a soil mix. So I don't start over and do it in pots. I have it, it's like a, I don't know, it's like a, a five by five square on legs, about eight inches deep. And I just have created a good soil mix just throughout time. So like what you grow your plants in is what you put your cuttings I in. I do. And and I think that works better for me because see what I'm doing is I'm actually taking those cuttings and putting directly in the ground. So I don't do things to pot up plants. I'm not, I'm not growing. I mean, I do have a lot of decorative stuff. Well, I used to. I still have a lot. Really, I do. But I mostly am doing the seed starting when I have extra, like if, like for instance, I have a, um, an edible canna, uh, which is a beautiful canna plant. People see that all the time, but there's an edible one that has a small red flower. So I let that go to seed all the time. And so, but I'm, I'm not going to collect the seeds and put it in the container and, you know, have a one day to do the thing. I don't do it like that. I do it immediately. When it's dry, I take it and put it straight into the soil and I have the plants. I don't lose a one because I think it's because of that is because I'm doing it when it's the right time. Because in nature, they'd be dropping into the ground right at that moment and starting up. So uh, any kind of little pieces of anything that I like, I stick in there. And then I also just grow seeds in there a lot. Like I start all my basil in there and I usually have tons left over in there and just keep it. And I cut it, you know, to eat all the Time. All right. So when you take a, a cutting of the basil, I don't uh, do cuttings of basil. But oh. but go ahead. Well, I was going to ask you where you 
how many like nodes, how many leaves do you cut? Well, I just cut it and eat it. So, you know, I don't <laughs> care. But but uh, I do, uh, I used seeds. I do seed starting. But I did have one that was a particular type of basil because I have like about seven different types of basil in my garden. But the ones, the Gen- Genovese is the one I like to eat. So, but the other ones, uh, you do cuttings from them. And yeah, I think I'd probably take about a five inch, five inch uh, stem. And, you know, and whatever, how many nodes that is, I would say three or four, probably on there. Yeah. yeah, probably about four. And then I take off the big leaves and then I stick it in some water. Because I did have somebody that told me that's the way they particularly grew one. But there's a, I looked online because I was interested in what other people did, you know. And this one, this one was, I really like this because I, I'm a big believer in compost. A big believer. And so you need to make your compost all the time. Otherwise, you're putting it in the landfill, you know. So all you got to do is put your little greens that you've been, uh, you know, uh, working on. You peeled your stuff and you go and put a little bucket and you put it out there. You peeled your banana peels. You did all these things. I don't specifically do that banana peel water thing. I just put it all in the compost and then I put leaves on top of that, you know, so it doesn't get funky. And then uh, at the end of six months, I had beautiful soil. So I put a lot of that in my seed starting trap, put it on all the tops of all my plants. But anyway, so this one's your own soil mix. So you can make it with mix equal parts compost pulverized topsoil, which this got me. I was surprised at that. And says you can dig it up from your yard. Just make sure it doesn't have clumps. A combination of worm castings, which is fantastic, spent coffee grounds, and perlite. Uh, and worm castings and perlites can be found at any uh, major retailers and hardware stores. And in addition to that, you can include materials such as perlite pumice or rice hulls, which I did not think about. But rice hulls would be a great addition to that. And they're found at smaller specialty shops or, or online. And that also um, adds the air pockets, like what you were talking about, Kenny, to help the roots thrive. Because you need a lot of air when you're doing starts. And I just want to finish this uh, email. Who's asking about, you know, can you suggest the type of soil for rooting cuttings? But what else is very important is the amount of sun and air circulation. Yeah. So I used to kind of baby them, put them on like the baby shelf of the greenhouse where it's pretty dark, but actually like dappled light is a lot better. Absolutely. And also I do cut the leaves in half. To prevent oh, that's um, a good idea. So from that evaporation. So what he's saying is like if you have a a, a heart a, a, a tear shaped uh, leaf that's on there, he cuts that in half so it's just a flat end, yeah. and they're still getting the photosynthesis ability, but it's not putting it out to the tip, which is not that important, right? Yep. Okay. And then uh, if Check. I take like a twelve inch cutting, or a twelve inch. 12-inch like piece of vine, mm-hmm. I'll cut that into like five pieces. Right. Each of them has one to four nodes, and usually they all work, but what really, really works is that tip, that new growth Oh yeah, at that, the very end. Right, because it wants to grow. It's ready to go. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good point. All right, Annie, we got a couple of uh, emails and a couple of callers. Very good. And the first person we'll, we will take is Joe in Riverview. Hey, Joe, how's it going? Hey, hi. How are you ladies doing today? <laughs> the ladies? Well, Kenny's not a lady, but <laughs> I'm good. What you got to talk about today? Okay, I got a quick question. Okay. Last year, I made some, um, I started to grow some okra and different types of little veggies. The insect came in there and ate up all the leaves and killed my my veggies. Yeah. So 
what do I need to do to, I'm trying to do it again this year, but how can I afford all these incidents coming in to stand up my bed to kill them? Well, they do have uh, a row cloth uh, that you can use. Uh, you, you prop it up and you put a row cloth over it, and it allows sun and rain to get in there, but it doesn't allow uh, insects to get in. Um, so that you can put over the top of it. Uh, and that helps a lot. I don't use them personally. I go out and check my uh, plants every day uh, and look for insects. So, you know, if you if you go out there every day and, and tune into your plant materials, you're going to know, they're going to tell you what to do. I mean, you know, if you if you have a caterpillar, you're going to see frass, which is their caterpillar poop, and it's just globs of stuff there. Uh, and you'll be able to see that, and you can look around for them. I mean, they're good hiders. That's why they're still here. Or you'll see the leaves being rolled up. Yeah, rolled uh, leaf rollers. And they, they uh, uh, you know, and insects will then lay their eggs on things. So you, you have to just sort of tune your eyes in. If you've just done it one time, just keep doing it. And then just start tuning your eyes and start looking up things to try to educate yourself. Get on one of those gardening uh, groups. Uh, that's very helpful. And uh, Annie, what do you think about BT? I don't know anything about BT. Uh, oh, you mean BT? I thought you meant. <laughs> I thought you meant B B E E, and you made T out of it. I'm like, what is that? That's new on me. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't like BT. Why not? I, because I don't like to introduce anything into the garden. But that's me. Uh, BT is a is a good thing. How do you pronounce that word, Kenny? Uh, bacillus. Yeah, is the genus. Is that, is that a chemical? Is that well, a chemical it's spray? it's a. It's a, a thing that goes in. It's a, a naturally born thing that the uh, insects get it inside of them and they can't uh, digest their food, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so they end up starving to death. It's a species of bacteria that's normally found in soil, but then people concentrate it and you can get it as a powder and you can sprinkle it on your tomatoes or okra or your or, or, or that family members because there's specific worms that like to eat okra and tomatoes right. and you sprinkle it and it only kills those caterpillars it's the cat it, it only kills caterpillars not other insects but uh-huh. but it kills all caterpillars so caterpillars are also butterflies so yeah. that's why I don't like it. But that's me. You know what I mean? You can do you do what you want. The other thing I think I think they eat up at night cuz when I wake up in the morning Yeah, well you might have slugs. Now you might have slugs if you have that. Now I do believe in sluggo. Uh, that's another uh, thing that you can put down. It's a, a, a it's approved for organic gardens, and it's uh, it's in uh, sort of like a it's not granula, but it's sort of clumpy granula. And uh, you just put it down on the ground, and uh, yeah, you won't have as many slugs. I tried a lot of things. I put watermelon rinds and 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 put it down below, and I'd pick it up, and it'd be a bunch of slugs on it, and I'd toss those away. But I bet you have slugs. I bet you. The do. other thing is, when are you trying to grow okra and tomatoes? That's another good point. When are you doing that? Well, uh, right now, I'm, I'm, I put down some seeds uh, as, as we're talking to, uh, last weekend. Uh -huh. you know? Well, yeah. okra is generally for summer and tomatoes are for winter here. So, so now's a good time to be seeding your tomatoes. That's right. But I'm I, I just started harvesting my okra last week, which means I put it in the ground a little eight, too late. Eight, or? No, eight to twelve weeks ago. Oh, okay, got it. And they and they really like a lot of heat. That's that's one of the only things you can grow in the summer here. That's why people like to to plant it in the summer because it's really one of the few things that that makes it.
So one of the things you could look up, though, is I suggest that you go and look up um, what plants to plant at what season in this area. Um, Annie, guess what? What? I have it in my show notes right now. Right on, tell him. (laughs) (laughs) All right. For vegetables, September is a good time to plant or start planting celery, cabbage, lettuce, collards. Because... My wife did that. She did one. She got her own side. I got my own side. She's ahead of of the game on me, man. So when was that? When did you do that, Kenny? Uh, It's now. Yeah, right now, September. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then it also says for herbs, mint, basil, rosemary are ideal herbs because they can tolerate the heat that we experience in the early fall, and then they're good to go the winter season. One tip I'd like to throw in there about the mint is that you always want to keep that in a pot because it will take over the garden. It's a, The rhizomes are just, once you have it, you can't get rid of it. Unless you want it, like on the ground, like a ground cover or something like that. It would smell great when you mow it. I have it in my backyard underneath my rain barrels. Yeah. Adjacent to the vegetable gardens. Because they like a lot of water. Yeah. Yeah. So, where can I get all this stuff to kill the ancestors at Home Depot or? Uh, well, you, yeah, you can buy the BT at any big box store. Can you? Okay. Or, or at a feed store. And feed stores are better, in my opinion. And plus, we just try not to support as bi- the biggest box stores that they are. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The, the letters and Sluggo yeah. too. But, you know, go and look at your plants. You know, don't just rely on something to do it for you. If you're retired like Annie, you could be watching those plants all the time. And as soon as that caterpillar gets there, we want you to take it away. (laughs) Thank thank you, Joe. That's funny. Or plant a plant that they like better. That's another thing. You can plant a distraction plant and they like it better. I even saw one I was reading, this one woman, she has one, that a tomato that she planted specific. So she takes them off of another plant and puts them on that one. It's her sacrificial plant. So, you know. Uh, uh, okay. So, so you're at USF, huh? No, I'm not at USF. We're at the WMNF radio station. No, I know. I know. Oh, um, the previous caller was talking about that. USF has three plant sales a year, right? And that's where Mike saw us. Yes, we were. Okay. Kenny does a, a, a sale for uh, his carnivorous plants, and then I do. Uh, I'm with the Rare Fruit Council, and so I, I man their booth to help them or to help us, I guess, really. Okay. All right, thank you, Joe. And that event is coming up on October 14 and 15th and, is the next USF plant sale. And Craig has done so much work out there. I mean, it's the, the grounds have just turned around. He's done such a great job out there, Craig Martha. Yep. Okay, so now we have Tom from St. Pete on the line. Hi, Tom. Thanks for being so patient. Yep. Uh, well, I'm glad to tell you made it to me. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, I got my uh, Moringa seeds to sprout. Yay. And I'm... Um, getting ready to plant them in the ground uh, so they can become trees. Good. Uh, so um, uh, on uh, transplanting a plant from a pot into the ground, uh, give me the 101 ABCs. Uh, All right, that's a great question, especially for Moringa because they have that huge root structure and mm-hmm. they really do become trees. They really do. So, Annie, you have the... the what top- size is the pot, first off? What size is the pot? Oh, well, it's a rectangular. Uh, oh, is it a little one? It's a four inch. Uh, no, no, no. It's a it's a big long trough. Oh, uh, okay. with a bunch of seedlings in it. Oh, okay, so I, you're going to be cutting. You're going to be yeah. cutting. Okay, okay, got it. Well, yeah, I'm going to be uh, you know um, sticking my hands in there and grabbing it out and, okay. and putting it in the ground. Okay. 
So where the soil level is in your trough, when you plant the, the moringa in the ground, you probably want it to be that same level or slightly elevated? Exactly. Slightly elevated is really better because it's going to settle because you're right. never going to, you're not going to, you don't want to pack your soil when you put a plant in, but you want to press it, but you don't want to pack it. And you want to press it in such a gentle way on the outside of the roots, not the inside towards the stem, because then you'll break off those support roots. So I, I really did six hours of transplanting yesterday, oh, and I Jesus. had a I had a friend over, and I had a leave put them to work. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I had to leave him for like an hour because I said I have to go water in everything we right. just did. That's important because yeah. It will all die. Exactly. Because so, it'll dry straight up. It'll dry the roots out. So I imagine when you dig up these little baby moringas, the stem could be, you know, a half an inch wide. But then when you pull it up, the root has like a little two-inch bulb of... Hair roots. Yeah, little yeah. roots and soil. So your hole that you're going to dig in the ground is maybe two times that, three times that? Can be. Yeah, I, I wouldn't go too far because you're going to have a lot of settling. But I would also water the so then, base of it. Yeah, before. put it in there, pack the soil down. You put some water in before you put the plant in. And then in. make sure you really water it in. Yeah, because the air pockets are really a big... That's a, I find that that is the number one killer for larger plants, not seedlings as much. But larger plants, the air pockets... Uh, are they in there around the roots? And you know, roots cannot take up water unless they are touching soil. So when you do a big transplant, you take your your hose and you stick it around the root ball and push it down about three or four inches. You know, if it's a big, big thing, longer, uh, deeper than that. And then if the water sucks in, then you have an air uh, pocket. You push soil, push soil, push soil until it doesn't, uh, until it pools. And you do that all around the whole perimeter. Now, not so much for you, uh, but, but, you know, in general for large uh, transplants. Just maybe think yeah. of it. Well, I should, I should have added, um, uh, you may remember that uh, I have some uh, poor soil. One of the one of the trees I'm going to put is in an area where I haven't gotten the soil tested yet uh, by the extension service. Okay. I recommend. Um, so uh, I was thinking of like you know digging down real deep and putting some good soil uh, in a you know like a, you know a couple of feet down uh, so that uh, I would have uh, you know pull you know dig out any bad soil and replace it with good soil. And I was going to put um, the king, I got some kingfish. I was going to put no, down in there. No, 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 no. because what's not recommended? Not to at do all. That. And the reason is, is because uh, the tree will stop. It'll it'll want to stay in the good soil, and it won't branch out. So oh. if if you're going to add some amendments, that's fine. But don't just make it like a hole with amended soil. Mix your good soil with that soil. The, and the good thing about moringa is that it's supposed to grow in nutrient De uh, or, uh, um, right without nutrients yeah without right. nutrients and it can be drought tolerant once it's established right and uh, and then you know you have to water it every day for a while sure okay all right and hopefully it will rain one last again thing. one last thing I'm, I'm planting this next to a cabbage palm that i'm uh, working on uh, getting out of there oh, okay About how far away uh from that cabbage farm would i have to be or how close can i get to it well you said uh, you're getting you're working on getting it out of there so what difference does it make 
Exactly. No, well, maybe exactly. in the removal right process. Oh, you mean in the removal process? Is that what you're talking about? No, 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 no. Uh, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take months to get rid of this. It's a, it's a good ten foot. Well, tall. I would, I would put it in a, an area that I'm not gonna step on it. <laughs> you know no, what no, I mean? No. Like, Give yourself some good working room because I, I totally would step on things if I'm working hard to get out something big. The Moringa in Florida usually gets like, what, a foot wide? Yeah. But in South Africa, I saw one that literally had a trunk that was probably 15 foot in diameter. Wow. And you don't want to, it's going to have big roots. You don't want to put it too close to foundation. Or any kind of water system as far as like, mm. as, you know, but, sewer lines and that sort of stuff. Mm. A no, no. But because we, because we, it gets cold and relatively cold in central Florida. I've never seen them really bigger than maybe a either. foot or two wide. I've never even seen it that wide myself. Uh, but, you mm. know, you cut them back, but it doesn't change the root structure. Yeah. You right. know. All yeah. right. Well, good luck. And yeah. I love that superfood. You. You're very welcome. Thanks and, for calling uh, in. Yep. Good day. Good Thank day. you. And once you have those adult plants, you can just take cuttings from the branches uh, and those uh what they call those the seed pods or drumsticks and a lot of people like to eat those mm-hmm. um there, i've never had them have you had them uh kenny yeah there was a there was a indian restaurant in uh temple terrace that it, was called drumsticks oh wow <laughs> that's great and they served it they did yeah. wow that's so neat uh, yeah, All right, so we got a couple of emails. One is from Doug in Palm Harbor. Do you ever use vermiculite as a soil additive? And vermiculite is a naturally occurring mineral that also expands when heated like uh, perlite. So, I like it better, quite honestly, than perlite. just because, And it's, it's totally visual. Uh, I, I don't like to see the white perlite that floats up to the top. I just can't stand it. And so the, uh, the vermiculite uh, has a more natural color to it. And I like the shape of it better. It's more chunky, like little flat pieces instead of rounded. So that's just my opinion. But I think it would do the same things. I mean, I think it would be the perfect substitute. Don't you, Kenny? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good one. All right, we got another email from uh, Pheasant. Brandington, Bradington. Just, <laughs> Easy and, for you to say. Well, you know why? Because I'm thinking about the, the title of this email about making these little slugs drunk. Oh, so I'm trying to the, I'm oh, trying to edit in real time. I Annie. know what it is. Okay. <laughs> so the best way to get rid of slugs is to put out beer in a bowl or a plate, and then they go into it and they smell it. You attract the little slugs, and then they climb and drown um, in it. When I was growing up in Oregon in a small town of uh, Wald. Port. There was a great slug race once a year, oh, wow. and all they did was put beer in the middle, and you could bet on which slug would get there first. Now, that Annie, is hilarious. I, I know you don't like to gamble, but I think this would be a fun I activity. Love it. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> I could see. Um, I love it. I could see that uh, South Tampa clientele at the next, uh, you know, the slug fest, <laughs> the garden group. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a, it has a different word connotation with the slug fest. You know, like people are beating each other up. But this would be the actual slug festival. I'd love it. I think that's fantastic. I've never heard of that before. But and yeah, I have heard about the beer. I just, you know, I don't have, I don't drink, I don't really have beer in the house, so that's why I never did it. <laughs> Okay, and then Fez also added, I have tried to make mint my ground cover in uh, my yard for five years, but crabgrass continues to kill that, so I wouldn't warn people too much against that. That's not a native, and even the so-called native uh, 
horse mint dyed. The, yeah. I found that the mountain horse mint that is so beautiful at the Kanapaha Gainesville Botanical Gardens. It's very difficult to grow in Tampa. It's probably too hot and too dry. That's the mint. All mint likes water. So, you know, if you have uh, areas in your grass areas that are, you know, dry, then that would be a really hard thing to do. I mean, you know, you have to think about that. Like, really, what if it's if it's green, it it stays, it, you know, and, and the way I look at stuff, uh, I don't think it has to be one particular type of plant, but yeah. whatever. We have some uh, more uh, calls. Yeah, let's take uh, Mitch from Tampa. Hi, Mitch. Hi, guys. How you doing? Uh, I'm good, thanks. Good. What you got to talk about? I have a, a plant at home. I have no idea what it's called. Uh, it has very thick leaves on it, beautiful green. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's not on a stem. It's more like a stalk. Uh-huh. It looks like a... Uh, I don't know if you've ever ever seen a collard green, you know. Yes, ma'am. I know what that looks like. I love collard greens. Uh-huh. It's beautiful. Yeah. I talk to it, but I, I don't know the name of it, but it's, it's a beautiful uh-huh. plant. Uh-huh. You could call it whatever you want. You could call it my friend, Irene <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> so uh, are you asking us to ID your plant? Is that what you're asking us? I just thought maybe since you're the genius. <laughs> self-proclaimed, self self-proclaimed. No, I never said that. Somebody, No, no, I'm, I'm saying that. <laughs> oh. um, so uh, Mr. Bill Grace, who keeps us in check, he says you can email us the picture at DJ at WMNF.org, and we might be able to identify yeah, it. Yeah, I, I love to identify plants. That's like one of my things. <laughs> oh, okay. So I probably will know it if you send it, <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I just wanted to say this is a, so... Uh, I appreciate your call so much, but it is really uh, a lot of people have come up to me and said, I have this plant and it's green and it has leaves and it has stems. And can you tell me what that is? And, you know, everything is green and has leaves and stems. So not really, you know. But, yeah, try to take a picture, and if you can send it to us email, we will definitely ID it for you. Okay. Okay? Thanks for calling. I wanted to throw in my, my, my mother used to wash her collard greens in the washing machine on Gentle Action. It was the best. And I used to, I thought that was just genius. There, there's lots of like uh, collard green festivals where they do that. Do they do that? You in know, the washing to, machine? To, to feed the masses. The masses. Yeah. yeah. Well, my mother would, you know, get a ton of it and then she would uh, cook it and she would freeze some and stuff like that. But I, she said, yeah, don't tell everybody I do that because <laughs> they might not like the idea that, you know, our clothes and the, the collard greens are going to be washed in the same area. <laughs> I thought it was funny. So about a half an hour ago, Beth sent us an email with some pictures, and Annie and I both do not know what it is. It looks like an okra, though. It has pods like an okra, but the leaves are definitely, oh, definitely not, not. an okra. And, uh, Annie, do you know any apps on your phone that ID plants? Well, you know, if you have an iPhone, all you have to do is uh, take a picture of it, and then you scroll up, and then it says identify plant. Uh, and I have found you can that, do that with Google too. Yeah, can you? And the thing I have found that a lot of times they're not correct, so don't just take the first thing they say. <laughs> but you can start to investigate. It it starts to open up an investigation. Oh, we're going to take a picture of that uh, picture and see if we can't identify it. That would that's brilliant. You know, 
Bill is just the smartest guy. That's how you keep him That's around. That's why we keep him around. He's going to take a picture of it, and we're going to see if we can't ID this for whomever sent that. That's great. But, but I will uh, warn you, two weeks ago I was uh, at the Living Roots uh, Festival. Yeah. And, or, you know, their grand opening. And there was these two women. I hope they're listening. They were yeah. taking pictures of everything. Every single thing. And every, everything they took a picture of wrong was idea. wrong. Wrong idea. Because That's the thing. it was so similar. <laughs> yeah. It was like sunshine mimosa, but then it would say sensitive plant because they have the same leaf, leaf. structure. And that's the thing. Like just what Kenny said, you really have to, uh, you can, it can start you. But if you don't know a lot about that sort of stuff, you really have to just do more deep diving. But sometimes it does get you in the right family. If it gets you in the right family, yeah. then here, Bill, show me. Uh, then it, sometimes it helps you uh, uh, ID it a little bit better. Yeah, it's I want to see it. that. It's not it. Oh, it's now, not. Now, okay. our good friend uh, Irene, who's, who enjoys working so hard, volunteering here so hard, answering all your calls, uh, Annie, she says that you're the genius in the house. <laughs> But I will add to all of our. I don't think so, I will add to all of you. our callers and all of our listeners that once again, your local county extension yes. office does this service for free. They do, and they have actual professors yeah. who are With experts degrees. in. in Aeroids and landscape yeah. plants and house plants. Yeah, yeah, and you know. Um, uh, I, I get to, somebody called me a know-it-all yesterday, and I was like, well, I do know a lot, but I don't know it all. <laughs> you know, I'm still learning. So, you know, if we, if we keep an open mind, we can learn new stuff. That's the way it works. All right. Do so, we, do we so, have anybody else on there? Or yeah. No? So um, we got an email, and they were saying that the Pictures and the Google image search, those are good, but you can also do a iNaturalist search. Oh, I've heard of that one. And that, that's a good app. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so thank you for that. Now. We had an email from Fez about getting the slugs drunk. And now, <laughs> and now we have a caller named Fez, and he would like to talk about slugs. I wonder if it's the same. Is this the same Fez? <laughs> Hi, Fez. I'm, how many Fezes do you know? No, um, I only know one. <laughs> I, that's what I always say. I'm the only Fez you know. But the, um, I love the hat, though. I do. <laughs> yeah, I don't wear one. That's what everyone asks. When are you going to put on a Fez? Damn. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yes, and Walport was the only town that I ever knew that actually had a slug fest, and you could get like candy so slugs and you know and and suckers that were yeah. slug shaped, and for the kids, and then all the adults would sit around this round table, and they would have it, you know, like I don't know, a twenty inch, thirty inch table, and they would have these lanes. <laughs> you know, and uh, did they cross over the lanes? <laughs> did they cross it, it over? Like they, what? The, no, no, they couldn't cross over. So there was like, uh, like two inch high little walls. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, plugs. yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> they would cross over if they if you let them. That's but the, so um, funny. <laughs> it really was funny. <laughs> I love I it. I've never seen anywhere else. I what? would love to put a little saddle on their back or something. <laughs> Now, Fez, what's your availability to chair a slug fest in Tampa? Yeah, we want you to do this. I would love to. Okay, <laughs> well, let's get back with us, and we'll get what we get one going, and uh, we'll see if we can't promote it. All you got to do is call us and tell us for about a promotion. Yeah, for the gardeners of Tampa Bay, right? Yeah, um, I love it. They would, you know, there would be one that you know makes it first, and then they die first. You know, I mean, oh. it's just kind of morbid in one sense. <laughs> well, but they die happy. 
you know, they're, they, they get a little buzz on before they go. That's right. That was the whole justification for selling beer in the event to everyone. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, thanks again for calling. We appreciate it. I, you know, I wanted to say about Moringas, because I grow a lot of, um, or my Moringa trees are pretty big now. Uh And I, so I have these pods. I have a lot of these pods, because if you don't trim the trees back or keep picking them, you know, just pick, 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 and... Um, doing that, you will have, you know, a really, you know, a 20 foot tall tree or whatever that, um, is, I don't know about growing as wide as you were saying, but it will grow beautifully tall and then you won't be able to pick it. I mean, you know, right. get a ladder or something and the, um, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing, but then, you know, you get the pods and, um, it grows, I, I think it grows a lot more pods the more that it's just allowed to fully, you know, stretch out and be happy. But the, um, but it flowers year round that way. It's a beautiful tree because it just keeps flowering most of the year here when it's mature. But the, but what I do with the pods, because a lot of people talk about, you know, picking them young and green and stir frying them right. and doing, you know, there's nothing wrong with doing it that way. But what I do, when they're still green before they go hard is I put them in a food processor. Oh. I get a, I get a mash out of it, which is kind of hot and We're like almost out of time. So yes. And then I add it to other things, to beans, to lentils. Oh, so you sneak it in. Seasoning. Yeah. You sneak yeah, it in. Seasoning. Oh, okay. And the whole different flavor. But, you know, how do you use all that? Right. You know, a lot of it if right. you let it go. Yeah, a lot of people uh, keep their their productive trees uh, cut back just for that reason so they can uh, get at them, you know, like mangoes and uh, avocados because they get so tall then then that you can't get at them. You know, it's just too much. But thanks cool. again for calling in, Fez. We really it's appreciate it. It's just, uh, you know, what to do with them. Yep. But, Right. You gave us some great you tips. Will. Thanks. Bye bye. Yeah. yeah, that was a good tip. Yeah, about, that is about harvesting it fresh and then sneaking I, it in. I was I like taking idea. very large branches, hanging them upside down, drying, drying them, them, then put them in a brown paper <clears throat> bag, and you can strip Crush off all it. the leaves. Then you put it in the food processor. Then you have a powder that lasts right. for probably a year or more in a Tupperware container. Yep. And that's a good smoothie. And then the the good thing about that is that the flavor profile. It's kind of sweet, and you can have it as a tea, and it's not that horseradish oh, I strong see. Yeah, flavor. so it's not, it doesn't uh, overpower it. Yeah, so. You know, we didn't even talk about uh, peat hardly at all. That's that, amazing. We had so many calls. That's okay. We got one last email that we'll mention. Okay. And it's from Michael in Tampa, and they say, simple tip for growing moringa, treat it like plumeria. Take a cutting plant, uh, bottom down, and top up. <laughs> so you well, just, all plants are like that. Yeah. yeah, you wouldn't want to plant it upside down. Yeah, but he was. They're saying that you can just take big cuttings. Yes. Of the the stem. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. So you could take two foot of a cutting if you wanted to, and I have an automatic tree, which is probably a good idea. Then it's more uh, immediate gratification. People need that immediate gratification. Yes. Is there anything else that you think that we could talk about in just a couple of minutes? Because we uh, my stuff is way too wordy. <laughs> Surprise, surprise. <laughs> All right, Annie, we got, a, we got a message Okay. from somebody you might know. Okay. From Tanya Vitovic. Oh, very good. And, they, and she says, is it bad to see bugs in my soil? So that would be a good closing uh, 
Okay, remark. yeah, and uh, bugs, it just depends on what you're looking at. You know, microbes are wonderful. You want to see the fungi, that's great I, stuff. I don't know if you can see the microbes in the soil. No, you can't see the microbes, <laughs> but you want to not kill it is my point. And so then you could see the fungi. And I used to think that those little white threads was bad. See, back in the day when I didn't know any better before I was a genius. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, I used to pull that out because I thought, oh, it's bad. But no, fungi is great in the soil. It all connects everything to everything. It's like the the super highway of delivery system to all the plant materials. And the other bugs, uh, you know, uh, millipedes, they break down uh, the uh, bad things, the, 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 not the bad things, the woody. Yeah, they're eating detritus. Detritus, which is the woody. The decaying decaying woods stuff. and plants. And then also worms, you want those in the ground. And, you know, different bugs are going to be aerating the soil and they're not going to bother your plant. You know, all bugs are not bad. You know, we've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. It's like people are real quick to kill everything, uh, and they shouldn't because, quite honestly, aphids are the favorite food of ladybugs. And if you don't kill them, then you haven't put chemicals in your garden. And those ladybugs, I don't buy ladybugs. They just show up in my garden because it's a it's an area they like because it doesn't have any chemicals in it. And then I don't have, if I have aphids, I don't have them more than three days because they eat them all up. All right, so bug adjacent next week, <laughs> next Monday, oh, we yeah. will have Dr. Jarrett Daniels from uh, Gainesville. He is from the Center for Lipidoptera and Biodiversity, and he studies endangered butterflies of Florida. I'm so excited about so, this. Think about this. Brainstorm ideas and questions yeah, you want to discuss with. Uh, Dr. Daniels, about butterflies and moths native to Florida. I would love to hear from you guys on that. And <clears throat> you can, uh, if you enjoy this show and our weekly content, please go to WMNF.org, donating through the tip jar and directing your donation to the uh, Sustainable Living Show. You guys can do that anytime, any moment. Stay tuned in the next hour and you'll hear WMNF Community Speaks with Mobili. Follow our Facebook page, Sustainable Living, to stay in the loop and listen to our past shows. Just go to Listen On Demand on WMNF.org. I'm Annie Ellis. And I'm Kenny Coogan. Remember, if you're looking for someone to save the world, look in the mirror. And we want to thank Irene for taking her calls and Mr. Bill Grace for working the boards. And make sure to tune in next Monday morning at 11 for the next Sustainable Living Show. We will be talking with Dr. Jarrett Daniels, Ph.D. from the Center for Lipidoptera and Biodiversity. Thank you, everyone, and we will see you next week. And you are listening to WMNF Tampa. And if you're looking for someone to save the world, look in the mirror. (laughs) The smile.